It's a special TX Water Polo podcast. On Wednesday, we shared part of Joe's conversation with one of Texas's greatest water polo exports, Amy Olson. Um, and today, we'll share that entire interview with her while she talks about playing professionally in Europe, her experience on some of Texas's best high school teams, and much more, including her new puppy. And speaking of best high school teams, only four and a half days remain to vote in our Best of Texas High School Tournament Championship. Sure, all the teams are from Baytown Sterling, but the people must be heard. So go to txwaterpolo.com to vote. And as always, check out more coverage at the national level at totalwaterpolo.com. Now, Amy Olson. Here we go. All right. Uh, welcome. To, uh, today we have Amy Olson, who graduated from Ross Sterling High School in 2010. So, um, so Amy was also the three-time state champion in 2007, 2008, and 2009. Also state MVP in uh, in those three years as well. After after she graduated from Sterling, she went on and played at Iona and was a three-time All-American and four-time All-Conference and played at three NCAA uh, championships. Amy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me and asking me to get interviewed. Are you hanging in there kind of kind of during the like, like the COVID-19 stuff? Yeah, it's it's been some weird adjustments. It's obviously a bizarre time right now. Um, but I actually I adopted a puppy. <laughs> so she's like my emotional support animal right now because <laughs> I'm home all the time now and I usually am not. So I got a little puppy and um So what's the puppy? I, She's a, a Maltese Shih Tzu, so she's really little, she's really small, and I got her because I thought it would be smart for, you know, a condo dog, and, um, but she's a firecracker, she's still, like, keeping me busy, and, and I'll even be in, like, right? so, what's that? And barks at everything, probably, right? So. Yeah, she's, she's nuts, but she's been a good distraction right now, so. When did you get her? I got her about a month ago, right when we started going into quarantine, um, I've always wanted a dog, but like I said, I'm always gone, uh, for work, um, and running around. So I didn't think it would be, you know, a good time to puppy train. So now is the time to take advantage. And my boyfriend finally was convinced that way that I could get one. So it worked out. <laughs> yeah, well, good. That was, I wasn't asking you, are you doing anything fun and exciting? And there you go. You have a dog. So I that, do. Is, that is more than enough. It's more yeah, than enough. We have, we have two big uh, golden retrievers back at our house. So, and, um, but here, um, I know that this is, yeah, this is going to go on the TX water pole podcast. Have you been following like the best of Texas kind of brackets and such? I know your team I still is, yeah, is in the semifinals now. So yes, exactly. Um, I have a little bit and I've listened to a few interviews and um, it's interesting because I, you know, I hear it's, I was in a different perspective, you know, I was the athlete at the time. So it's so interesting to hear from like coach Mack talking about the seventies, eighties. And um, so I'm like, what? Um, and also even the bracket situation, of course, I've got some pride and a little bias to it. I'm like, you know, thinking, of course, I'd like to be on the the winning bracket so well, it's, I, think, I think it's a great idea i think ross Schilling was well represented on both the boys and girls side and they have three girls teams in in the final four yes so and that's you know i think during that time sterling was strong all around um both men and women like you oh, said yeah. a lot of us went to play college water polo um if we didn't it's because they didn't want to um all of us were in the club team so it was a strong all-around program um so 
I would and, hope to see them both on the final four, at least, I mean, or the top. And yeah, and they were strong from basically the mid '80s to the mid 2010s. I mean, it's I mean, it's like the one like the one question I've had from people that didn't necessarily play back then. They're like, "What's Ross Sterling?" Yeah, that's yeah. nuts to me. That's yeah. that like blows my mind. I go, um, what are you talking about? But then I have to think if they haven't been as strong the last few years, but that does, but that doesn't take away from kind of kind of how good they were for a long, long time. So right. Sure. And yeah, and you were part of that. And that's what and that's what we're going to talk about. So again, you grew up in Baytown, right? Baytown, Texas. Yes. All right. So how did you get? In, so how did you get involved in water polo? I know you started whenever you were like three years old or something like that. But <laughs> Actually, you know, I didn't start as young as I wanted to, I guess, like, you know, growing up, I always would see some people, they start earlier, and I would be a little jealous. But looking back, I'm I think I started at a great time. I started when I was 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. I started with the, you know, Baytown Tiger Sharks or whatever it was for the summer league swimming. And then I remember Scott Slay or Shelby Slay, one of them pulled me over. It was kind of a babysitting thing, on my opinion. Both my parents were teachers and they worked in the summer and um, water polo was an extra hour or two. So I was just a pool rat and they would drop me off in the morning. It was less than a mile from my house. And um, I would hang out there, swim in the summers and play water polo. And I, so I was about 11 or 12. And just going back, you made me think of it um, about the Sterling comment. I remember just being on that like ugly green deck that we used to have and looking up at the banners at the state championships and being 11 years old and thinking, wow, I want to be on that even so young. And you would see all the years that people um, had, you know, that Sterling had won for both men and women. And, and when I first started, Coach Mack was still there. I had, um, Scott was there as well. But, you know, my first couple of years at, in like the club level, I had Coach Mack, Scott Slay, Shelby Slay, Rudy a little bit, you know, a lot of coaches. So it was such a great environment um, to feel encouraged from all ends. But I felt really proud to be at Sterling. I felt really proud. That and, I was and, in that program. And you started about probably what about 2001 or 2002 around that time? Yeah, I think that would be it. I know Shelby Slay was in high school. <laughs> like she was winning and I thought, wow, I want to be like her. You know, this like <laughs> strong woman, this girl, she's like kicking ass. And, um, you know, I remember reading an article in the Baytown Sun about like her swimsuit being ripped and she gets right back in the pool. I'm like, wow, she's a badass. I want to, I want to be like her. <laughs> so, and I mean, and that, and I mean, they were a strong, strong program. I think the Baytown Sterling team won in 2001 for both boys and girls. So that probably kind of, kind of motivated you yeah. to kind of oh. be part of that. And just a little side, like, like we talk about Sterling, you know, they may not be in the top nowadays as far as the high school teams out there, but mm -hmm. I played in a high school state championship back at Ross Sterling back in the late eighties, early nineties. So <laughs> at that pool. So could you imagine at that pool, a high school state championship? Wow. Probably not. No, I can't. No. Yes. But, uh, but no, but um, no, but I mean, no, I mean, obviously like you started playing kind of with the summer league team and then you started playing a, a, like a little bit more club and year round. And then you went to like kind of tournaments like Speedo Cup. So kind of tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, my first trip um, away even from home by myself, it started with water polo and that really was like the segue. It was foreshadowing my whole life, honestly, of just mm -hmm. traveling for water polo. So I went to Speedo Cup um, 
and I had, you know, my best friends with me at Katie Vesquez and Madison Pepper was there, I think. And of course, like, you know, the men's side too, it was so fun. You know, you had Matt Chapa, Zane and um, just the crew. And we went to Speedo Cup in Missouri, right? Mm -hmm. Is Missouri? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Um, it was just a blast, but that was a, the first time I had um, a few things. One, like a wake up call that, wow, there's water polo that's bigger than us, you know, yeah. it's um, eye opening. And it was also my first time that I got really competitive because I knew that I wasn't like the top tier of my team. I knew that I was, you know, I didn't get as much playing time or um, I could tell that I was viewed a little bit less skilled or talented. So I, I really sparked my competition that way because I thought, wow, I want to play the whole time. I want to be the best. So it was a really cool experience to go there. And um, we even went to Albuquerque one year. We drove mm -hmm. on a bus there for like eight hours. Um, you I know, heard about that story where like kind of didn't the toilet break down or something like that yes the toilet broke down <laughs> and so we we're in this you know big bus for hours going to this you know tournament and we're like this is just we, we did it to save money but i mean it wasn't worth it i mean that was ridiculous but hey but it's a good story it's one of those <laughs> things where it, i think i blacked some of moment, it out i'm so sorry <laughs> in the moment you're like oh my god i can't believe i did this but here but for the speedo cup how many speedo cups yeah, yeah, did you plan? And for those that don't know, Speedo Cup is what is now called Champions Cup. It's the tournament, it's the eighth grade and under boys and girls tournament that that happens every November. And, and this past November, it was at the University of Houston kind of back home. So that is, I mean, that in itself to me is, I mean, it's really cool that it's in Houston now, but that is impressive that it's, you know, that just says a lot about Texas water polo that we're part of, you know, we host the, the we oh, hosted yeah. it one year. I oh, think yeah. that's really cool. Um, but, but I went, I was there three years, um, I, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. That's the three years that I went. So how was that going as a sixth grader? Like, obviously there were some older players there with you and you were just probably yeah. in awe with your eyes wide open. Yeah. Like that. That's when, um, and I, and I keep thinking of the plaques that we had when you mm -hmm. would go, you know, to get like, um, the picture the, of yourself and, Actually, I remember my parents couldn't go. So my parents, like I said, they're school teachers. We had, I have two other siblings, like they can't go to these trips with me. Sure. So I had one of the parents, she even bought me like a action shot and the action shot, like looking back, I was like, my chin's in the water. Like, you know, I could barely swim with the ball, but she got it for me. And I remember I had it forever in my room. And, you know, we have the awkward team photo at the end. Um, but I was, yeah, sixth grader, not with my parents. I was just, you know, kind of had the coaches watching me like, sorry, Scott. <laughs> and, you know, and I just um, remember just looking up to a lot of people and a lot of, a lot of learning that trip. You know, and then it must've changed a lot between your, yeah, like your sixth grade year and your eighth grade year. Obviously yeah. you went back as an eighth grader. Yeah. You were probably like the big alpha female on the team. Right. Like that. So, yeah, I think I grew a lot too in that time as far, not, physically, but as far as just my IQ, my water polo IQ, and I was able to compete with a lot of those teams that I didn't feel comfortable before. That's when I grew a lot of confidence. And like I said, back to the competitive thing, by the time I was in eighth grade, I was starting and, you know, playing every minute. And then I was very excited to play at Sterling the next year. So for me, that was a good, a good feeling. But weren't you also, I mean, I forget exactly what place you guys got, but Weren't you competitive with like the top teams at Speedo Cup that year too? Yes, we were. I don't remember um, exactly what, you know, what 
place we got, but I do know that we started to kind of that group of people, probably some of the people in that 2007 group that is in the bracket that should win. There you <laughs> go. There you go. It's okay. Pump them up. Couple little messages. Okay. But okay. I remember that's when we all started growing. It wasn't just me that was growing as a player. It was all these other women. And um, I think that's when people started noticing us too. You know, we started kind of making a name for ourselves even then at Speedo Cup. Yeah. Um, so it was and the, and, good time. Yeah. And then that took you guys into high school. And a lot of those kids that were on that Speedo Cup team also went to Ross Sterling High School at the same time. Yes. And that, and that, and that kind of had that kind of that core group, kind of what you were saying as that group that's like the, like the Sterling girls kind of dominated from about 2007 all the way up to about 2014. Um, so, like, I mean, that was like the core group that kind of got that started. Um, like, I think you guys had a bunch of freshmen and maybe a, a couple sophomores that almost – almost one state year freshman year. Um, I think you lost to Umble that year, but then that just kind of got you guys on a roll starting your sophomore year and beyond, right? Right. Yeah. That was a good way to, you know, kind of kick us off. Just even like our passion for water polo, we had it before we were even freshmen in high school. So we were kind of ahead of the curve in that way, I think, mm -hmm. um, because we all did, we all competed together and we were all best friends and hung out together. I mean, it was our, you know, it was our, daycare this is everything so um we are really ready to kick off the season so what did you think about scott as a coach back then because that was whenever scott had transitioned to being the head coach for, mm -hmm. you know for mac that was probably quite a difference right yeah and I, in fact my eighth grade year that's when mac retired or not retired he went to uh saint agnes or and lamar. i what's that he went to lamar lamar sorry mm -hmm. um and that's whenever I, I do remember even feeling sad because I had always wanted him to coach me, you know, cause mm -hmm. I growing up, I would just remember his loud voice and I don't know, I thought <laughs> oh, I it'd be it. great. And then Scott Slay and comes in and, you know, that was truly, that was, I don't know, not a catalyst, but I think that was a very important time of my life. And it was really important that he was my coach because he was very good at, um, humbling me in a way like he oh, yeah. always put me in my place and um, in fact it was hard to even get a squeeze a compliment out of him so and I think he was also probably transitioning as a coach himself like he was probably transforming and he was you know in this um, head coach capacity so looking back as a coach myself now I can kind of see you know he's younger and probably trying to keep these this little sassy girl from Baytown in her place the whole time so um, I don't think you were I, the only I, sassy girl from Baytown, by yeah, the way. Yeah, there are a few sassy girls from Baytown. <laughs> it's like part of our criteria. And that's okay. That's okay. They're uh, like, let's just say the Dirty Bay moniker was earned, right? So Yes, we <laughs> Dirty Bay. We were pretty proud of that, I too. No, no, no. And and I completely kind of understand, but you, but you guys pretty much dominated. So like between your sophomore year and your senior year, did you guys lose the game? I don't think we did. Not, not with high school. Yeah. No, yeah. no yeah, I mean. Not I mean, that one. In fact, our my senior year, the um, championship game, I don't remember the score, but I know it was in the double. It was twenties to two or something. Like it was. Yeah, like that was game. against Stratford, and I don't think Scott. Let, let's say Mike Hoskovic kind of wasn't a big fan of that. At, yeah, just at the time, but. Um, but I mean, you were yeah during that during your junior senior year, you also went through to what we to what Mac and I kind of dubbed the Civil War a little bit mm -hmm. kind of when there was a fall state championship and the Tisca water polo spring championship. Mm -hmm. 
going through that as a player, how was that uh, like, how did that go with you? Did you care? It was just, it, it was just water. I did care. I did care. Um, I think that's an interesting question because I remember feeling um, a sense of uncertainty during it because I don't know, you know, you're used to one way and even, you know, when you're in like those years that I was in speedo cup and club, you're used to looking forward to a certain time of your life. And then when you finally get to there and it changes, it's a little disruptive. Um, but I remember just kind of honestly being loyal to whatever Scott wanted. So maybe I didn't even have my own opinion, but I was very loyal to, you know, whatever his opinion was. So it was a weird time, but by, by the time I was a senior, it's like whenever I was over it. So, um, well, it was a little weird. I mean, and also you were on some of probably what I would, yeah, kind of what I would kind of consider the, it's, it's not just the best kind of high school group that I think for girls ever, but you're also part of some of the better club kind of group of girls as, mm -hmm. yeah, like as well, especially like your 16 and your 18 and, and under your, like, you know, like the non-Sterling girls were what, uh, Taylor Barnett, mm -hmm. there was a couple of kind of others that I can't think of. Taylor and, Silva. There I you mean, go. Clear Lake girls and, and boys. Yeah, um, I mean, and yeah, and those were some of the strongest teams. And and for those that are listening, I mean, you guys were out at JOs and like, and this was back whenever there was only the 48 girls, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like the 48 kind of girls teams. You were at JOs saying competing for top 10. Yeah. At that point. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And not just hoping to get into platinum, which is no. the top 24. Yeah. No, so, I mean, I mean, and that, and yeah, and that must've been kind of fun, right? Yeah, those are, I mean, those are the best trips of my life. I mean, the all around, not just being with your friends and going on a road, to, you know, to California, but the competitive um, games were so challenging, just mentally and physically. And, um, you know, you learn every game you're done and you feel like you're beat up and you just learn so much because you're playing against people who play that same level every weekend. So you felt like, you know, David Goliath all the time, you have a chip on your shoulder. Um, you go in there, you know, you want to show them who's, you know, we can play at tech in te from Texas and of course. just a lot going on when you go into that, like, it's like an arena, you know, when you yeah. go in to the games and being competitive helps a lot because, you know, it's one thing to go in and you're like, crap, I'm going to get my ass handed to me. But when you actually have good people on your team, mm -hmm. you get a little bit more fiery um, and more competitive. So, I mean, that's what I think is amazing to me, even like from a coaching perspective now, like going back to it, whenever I am coaching athletes that were my age at the time, I, I'm, I wish I knew how talented we were at the time. You know, I wish we really, I, I don't know. I, I didn't realize it, how good we had it. Well, I mean, there was, a, I mean, y'all were a great team and a little side note, after I moved up to Dallas in the summer of 2009, we went out there and I guess it was actually the summer of 2010. And we were out there for our, like I had brought a Dallas water polo girls kind of a club team out there and I actually left them kind of with some coaches and some other parents. And I actually went and watched uh, you guys play one time. It was at <laughs> USC. Yeah. I mean, I think I said hi just because, I mean, this is a lot oh, of girls. Right. That, I mean, so this was a, a lot of the girls that I kind of helped kind of coach yeah. like kind of oh, yeah. a little bit and such like that. So you were a big impact to us. Um, I'm not just saying that because you're interviewing me, but you really were. Um, it wasn't just Scott Slay. We had a lot of coaches that helped us. 
but I do think um, you had a big impact on that discipline we were talking about before with with playing in players as far as little things like going to the two two meters and winging right. out properly, playing defense properly, keep your hips up, et cetera. I can go on and on. Yeah. But you, I mean, Scott, you know, you guys have your strengths in different no, ways, but yes, you certainly um, instilled a discipline in the Dirty Bay girls that I think we needed. You know, like Scott almost let us out of our cage and let us go. You kind of brought us back in at, to an extent. So it was kind of a good team, you know, a good pairing, I think, that we had. But we were fortunate that we had you during that time, too, because of um, – those fun, different kind of fundamentals that we were disciplined with. Yeah. So I always, I always joke around with people, you know, kind of whenever Scott and I started kind of working together, I probably kind of showed him how to be a little bit more organized as, yeah, as far as practice, but he showed me how to kind of loosen up a little bit and yes, have a little bit right. of fun it's and stuff different. like that. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think we worked really well together and I think the kids enjoyed it and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. but, and one of those things that we did at that time also is, and, and I know this upset the boys to all not, but we brought the girls out to the women's open and 20 under national championships, mm -hmm. which for those that are just listening and, and have never heard about it, this is, a, this is like the Super Bowl for the women's water polo. Yeah. Yeah. Just out there. And it was the 20 and under championships kind of were a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then the open championships were a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I know that you went out there on those trips and uh, was it, um, I kind of brought you guys out there just to, I didn't think that we were going to win the tournament, but I wanted to <laughs> do something a little bit more challenging and different kind of, kind of for that main group that was uh, like kind of to push them. So we had a couple kids back from college that, that played, but our average age was about 16. How did you like those trips? Cause you were on the younger age then, I think that yeah. you, were, you were like the 16 or 17 at that time. I think one of the trips I was the youngest um, or me and Katie, we were the, we were yeah. the youngest. Um, and that was, oh my, that was one of my favorites was the first year we went, even though we lost every game except one or two. We always um, won a game in every tournament. We never got last. Okay. I do remember that. I do remember that. So there you go. Yeah. But that was the year I played with um, girls that were older than I was um, and talented that had played in college. Maybe they just graduated like Kristen Barnett, for example, yep. um, among a few others. So for me, that was a really good experience to be with them and learn from them and um, teach me, a, you know, different, I guess it's a different way of playing sometimes too. Like you have to switch gears. I was used to kind of being the leader on a team and then all of a sudden I'm with them and I have to, you know, be adaptable. So that was a good lesson for me, but I mean, it was incredible to play against really talented teams. And I think we played against Betsy Armstrong, you know, Nyack. And now yeah. like looking back, I'm like, wait, I was playing on Nyack a few years ago even, but um, I remember when we scored on Betsy Armstrong, I'm like, yes, you're like we were so excited and there you go. Um, just little things like that. And, 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 and I think that second year we went, I think we lost the game in overtime against SoCal. That would have put us in the top eight for the 20 and under where, I mean, I think we were even beating SoCal until they scored like in the last minute or so. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that group of girls was, again, I will say this, that was one of the most talented group of girls that like, oh, your group, a couple years ahead of you and a couple years behind you. That mm -hmm. was about, 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 about six years of just strong kind of female water polo. So, mm -hmm. I agree. And, and then then after you graduated and you did all that then you went out to Iona and played yes. how did you pick Iona why Iona um well I had 
well, spoken with you, actually. I remember you long time um, ago, yeah. spoke with my dad and I talking about options for me. And yep. I was considering big schools such as Michigan, UCLA, USC. I mean, I was really thinking about those schools and considered seriously Michigan um, and took a trip out there and everything. But ultimately, Iona gave me what I really wanted, which was a chance to, one, develop as a player, um, be in a place I wanted to be near Manhattan, um, and I wanted to play. So I knew that um, if I went to one of the bigger schools, yes, I would play, but not the extent that I wanted to. And um, also, it kind of came down to money, ultimately. Like, what am I, I'm forgetting one of the main parts. Of course, um, yeah. You know, if you get a full ride at one place, it's hard to turn it down to go pay out-of-state tuition at another. I didn't have the means to go, you know, my, my chances, Pickens were slim for me in a way. So, so you got a full ride for academics and athletics to go to Iona? Yeah, I, yes, ultimately I, I, I was very, I was taken care of. I'm very fortunate. So that's um, one thing that I do still tell people when I'm coaching and I remind other girls that I still stay in contact with when I was coaching in California two years ago. Um, I just keep trying to remind them that it does not, I mean, you can figure it out. You can play, even if you don't think you're the best, there is a school for you. There's a way you can figure it out. If a girl from Baytown, Texas, who didn't have much money, you know, I, I had no choice. I, I knew I had a, um, my ticket out of there was academics and athletics. And even if you don't have one or the other, I mean, you can figure it out. Um, if you do the work and do your research and, find your contacts to help you to find the right school for you so i was very fortunate i already had kathleen link we you know it was a form is a texan she was yep. already there so that was helpful like we had a connection you knew brian kelly and um that was a com you know it helped me to be comfortable and after that recruiting trip and i'm you know in the city i'm like how can i not go here this is great and, exactly. and brian exactly. kelly's really good at selling you for iona he's like taking you to nyack like hey you can play with nyack in the summers and which he's right i mean i did but yeah. he was and he's really good at selling iona <laughs> he's good at selling uh, and like kind of kind of iona and he's a good motivator too he will get the kids ready to play yeah uh, like yes. like and going we've reached the halfway point of today's conversation and will return in a moment in many podcasts, this time would be filled with ads for electric toothbrushes or recruiting services. Not here. Instead, we're asking you to show your support for TX Water Polo by donating to it. Go to txwaterpolo.com donate and help us continue covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hi, this is Natalie Benson, and you are listening to a podcast about water polo in Texas. And now the conclusion of today's conversation. If you missed it at the beginning, um, Amy was all conference, I think first team all four years, correct? And also an all American three times and played at three NCAA champion uh, kind of ship tournaments. Just tell us about like the water polo kind of in college. Good, bad, what? Well, I mean, a little bit of everything because Iona was an interesting place because you know how it feels to win, but you know how it feels to lose. And what I mean by that is you're not, you know, you can win, um, you know, the games in your conference, but you also had really competitive ones like with Marist or Wagner. Mm -hmm. um, and then you would also go to a California trip and play top 10 schools and 
get your butt kicked. So I, you know, I felt like I had a good dynamic there. Um, I had a good team, especially my freshman year. I was four. I mean, I, I was able to start my freshman year and I was, that means, I mean, I basically got a lot of playing time. I played almost every minute starting my freshman year. Um, and that's because I think I really gelled with the starters already. So I was playing with seniors and juniors, but I think he was able to just kind of put me wherever that was one of my, um, kind of got lucky that way. Honestly, yeah. it's not like I was just a goalie or, you know, only two meter, like I can kind of do whatever. So I was really able to develop and, um, we went to a lot of tournaments all over the Northeast. We went to Michigan, California, and then of course, NCAA, um, to go to the NCAA, you have to win your conference. So the first time we went, my freshman year was the first time I own a one, um, the MAC championships. So not only was it the first time we won a conference, we went to NCAA and competed for the top eight, uh, teams. So when you go there, it just felt, um, like you're, I don't know, like you're, I don't mean to like put water polo down, but you know, we're not treated the same collegiately as other sports, obviously, because we're not the money maker, but you're still treated well. Oh yeah. We're still, yeah. I mean, we get gear, we get, everything's compensated, you know, exactly. Don't get me wrong. I think it's I'm still the NCAA championships. It's, it's, yeah, it's just not on ESPN. That's all. So. Right. And uh, to be fair, some of them were, you know, it was really well done as far as streaming live. So your parents can see from home and um, you still got a lot of gear. And when you go to NCAA, it's, it's not the conference taking care of you. It's NCAA. Yep. So you get all this nice gear, you get interviews pre and post game. And it was just, it was really cool to, um, to be treated like that. And, know that other people viewed your sport and what you're doing as important. Now, one thing that I remember talking to Brian Kelly, you know, kind of, kind of during your uh, kind of the, while he was recruiting you, he was like, what position is she? I go, well, we don't really have a position here. She's utility. So we try to teach all of them kind of to do everything. Um, Amy can do pretty much everything very, very well. Um, So that's kind of still, I know, I know that's what a lot of coaches here in Texas kind of kind of try to instill because they might be a center player on their club team, but they might be a, an attacker on their high school team, but then they get to college and they might be a center defender. So, I mean, going into college with that background. So do you think that, that, yeah, that hurt or helped you? Oh, it definitely helped. I think um, that's just even more, I mean, it just goes back to what I was saying that I think that's why I was able to be a starter my freshman year because I wasn't the best, you know, yet. I wasn't quite there, but I had the potential to be and I still was able to help the team. And I think he was able to see that. Um, And, you know, having a good team around you helps you to be successful. So if I have a good teammates around me, of course, they can make me look good, you know, but I also it's not like I needed to score every game. If he wanted me to play two meter defense, then that's where I was at. So um, I think that was really helpful that we were able to just kind of learn every, um, you know, utility, like you said, you're able to do it, do it all. Now also in college, you went out and played in these different tournaments and then you got to see all your buddies from Texas. Well, yeah, yeah. Was that kind of fun, right? That was the best. Uh, we always would take pictures every time you see Taylor at Bucknell, Tara at Michigan, Allie when she was at Maryland and, um, you know, any of the California girls, it was, that was the best feeling. And then to be in the locker rooms with them after and just like shooting the shit and just talking about everything. And, um, 
it was so such a good feeling, especially a lot of the times my parents didn't even get to watch me play. Like my parents didn't really see my games. So it felt amazing. I felt so proud, you know, when I would see Taylor and like, Hey guys, it's my friend Taylor. You know, I would, I'd be really proud, you know, to, it's like having family there. I mean, but it's also kind of nice to see. I mean, I think I went out, yeah, yeah. Did I see you? And, I think I saw you play one time. You and you and Kathleen out in uh, mm-hmm. out like out, out in Cal Baptist. But it's just it's just kind of seeing all these Texas kids. That just made that that must have kind of made you feel kind of a, a little proud about. Hey, listen, we oh, yeah, we are good because mm-hmm. even though you got to kind of kind of Iona, there's still the quote unquote the California girls, right? And absolutely. And then they didn't. Oh God, kind of you're from Texas. Once they saw you play, they probably didn't care. Right. But you're like, hey, look, there's more of me. There's a lot of them. Right. right? That's so, I mean, a great point. Because I've always had a chip on my shoulder with that, I think. And um, they always, it gave me a lot of pride to have them. You're like, you know, I'd be proud of Madison Pepper and say, yeah, she's from Texas. You know, I I definitely had a lot of pride with that. No, I mean, and, and I thought that was kind of, I mean, I always just was kind of proud, just kind of oh, watching yeah from afar about all the kids boys and girls that were out there and and i'd always see on the social media like the pictures and such and that was just great that made that made me a little proud and i i know scott and i would have a beer or whatever and talk about it and stuff like that so but um now so after iona okay like you played at three NCAA championships you were all american four years in a row then you did something that not very many people get to do you went you like you got an opportunity to go play overseas kind of kind of take us through that journey well um so it you know when I was graduating of course I was looking at at, you know I had an internship to go in the city and I was really compelled to kind of get my career going however I had always wanted to be on the national team or um play professionally I wanted to be better than what I was I felt like I had more room to grow as a player and I didn't think I would ever make the Olympic team. Um, you know, I felt like that ship had sailed. So the next thing I thought was, well, I'm going to play professionally. I'm going to be a professional. <laughs> so I knew that I had to go abroad to do that. I had to figure it out just like that Baytown girl from, ta- you know, Baytown girl all over again. Like, how do I get out of here? What do I do? And so I would just have to, you know, find my connection. Who do I know? And I, I was able to connect with Chris Vidal. Um, he's the husband of, um, Betsy Armstrong and she was playing in Lille, France at the time. So he was able to connect me to the French, um, teams and they, you know, watched some video. I had, um, I think like a reference or something and I ended up getting a chance with them. Um, and the first year it was really, you know, low paying contract, but, you know, I remember it's a low paying contract. Like I'm thinking 500, 600 euros a month, free room and board. You know, you get like free baguettes, whoop-de-doo. It's in the contract. That's okay. Um, and, you know, but the, ultimately I wanted to travel. I wanted to learn a language and I wanted to be better and see what other kind of water polo is out there. I felt like I had experienced American water polo. What else? Like we're not the only good people out there. So um, I thought that would be a great way to do it. And once again, I like milk water polo into kind of learning and going new places. So I went to, um, St. Uh, Saint-Jean d'Angeli, which is right by Bordeaux. It's like 30 minutes away. And so I went there for my first year. Um, and there we played, you know, it's like if you're, you know, hell weeks 
you twice a day. That's how it was every day because that's your job. Yeah. So it's you like were a professional water polo player. Yeah. So that's you were getting paid. Right. It may not have been a high paying contract, but you were getting paid, right. which was yeah. Right. So um, we were, you know, training every day and traveling. We'd go on like the the mini bus, they called it, which is just this big van. And you would travel and go to different, we went to Spain, we went to the south of France, we went all over, um, you know, just exploring. And after the game, it wasn't all glamorous because after the game, you would eat dinner their games, by the way, they're like 8 p.m., 9 p.m. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like and, then, and then you dinner at a 10 or 11. Yeah. So right. We so we had dinner and then we get right back in the van and go back home. You get home at like 4 a.m. Um, so that was um, just a good experience because it was kind of humbling um, in the sense of, you know, you're not you're not in the NBA or anything like that. Um, but it was really, really cool to compete with those girls because a lot of them were Olympians, not yeah. just on my team. I mean, on my team, I had four women, I think at the time that were on the French national team. Right. So, I mean, that in itself was incredible. And then I'm playing against the um, Spanish teams with Olympians. And um, I mean, it was really, really cool. So do you play with anybody else from the United States at all? So in the United States, I did. Um, my first year I had someone actually from Iona was with me. She was a goalie. Good. Um, That's been nice, right? That was really nice. She only was there for half of a, a season. She ended up going back home cause it wasn't for her, but that was comforting. You know, first time going abroad. It's like, you see the turn here, sixth grader going by herself <laughs> in St. Louis. And yep. then I go to Iona 18. My parents didn't even go move me into my dorm. Like I remember I moved in by myself That's and okay. then now I go to France, but it really prepped me for France. I mean, to be fair. So, um, I had Marissa with me my one season, but after that she left. Um, I, one of my best friends of all time of life, Olivia Cummins, I played against her. She was at USC, you know, so it's just, I was able to connect with players I never would have known. Um, she was my roommate. Now, you know, she'll, she'll be my wedding, you know, like she's just a great friend. And, um, and then the next year I, cause I was there for two years, I was able to, um, be on the team with two other foreigners who were, um, on the Mexican national team. So in the house, we would speak to each other in French or Spanish, a little bit of English. So it was really interesting. So, um, so kind of did you learn uh, French? I did. Um, so the first year, I, um, we, that was actually part of the contract, too. They gave us free French lessons. And nice. um, yeah, <laughs> and I didn't think anything crazy. I mean, I had done a little bit of Spanish in school, but I was never a linguist by any means. But when I went to, um, after your first year of being in the league, people get to know who you are. Coaches know who you are, especially being an American. You, I think you have an advantage, honestly, because um, they do value NCAA and the collegiate level. So, I, you know, you become well-known by coaches just by default. <laughs> and what was fortunate is after your first year, that's when, if you want to go back a second year, you get your foot in the door and people end up knowing who you are and seeing you play. So that's when they really, that's when the bigger contracts come in, not that they're anything extravagant, but um, 
Yeah, but you've got to raise your second year, you're saying. Is that oh, what you're saying? Oh, definitely. Yes, certainly. You okay, well, that's where my sales came in. My negotiation skills started kicking in. Well, the ultimately, I didn't actually think I'd end up going to the same place, to be honest with you. Um, but what really made me decide to go back to that team was because I – you know, I was in between, for example, looking at places in Spain and um, other places that honestly I had wanted to go originally. But the fact that I had already almost gotten fluent in French, but I wasn't quite there, I wanted to go back so I could become fluent. That's really why I went back the second year. First year, it's like, okay, I want to be really good at water polo. I want to get compete with the best. The second year, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to be fluent by the time I leave. So I was very disciplined. I practiced. I'd watched movies in French. I did only spoke to my teammates in French. And then I just one day clicked, like I was dreaming in French. I'm like, yeah, I got it. There you go. <laughs> so that's one reason why I went back the second year to France, honestly. So, so how was the water polo? So, so, so how was your water polo there? As a, as like, a. So do you play a little bit your first year, a lot more oh, your second year? I mean, a no, lot your first played, year? It was like a, a cycle of Iona all over again. I played every minute of every game. I was able to kind of play um wherever they needed me I was pretty offensive on that team uh the first year the second year I played a little bit more uh two meter defense because we had another foreigner who's more offensive so again it went right back to that utility kind of player I I did everything because I, I mean I was able to so um that was definitely helpful I played every minute honestly it was exhausting so so like so like you got to kind of play in different places in Europe what was the strangest place you played? Like, like the weirdest place, oh. like, you know, there's no fans or there are a ton of fans. Oh my God. Like, wow. you know, like, yeah. Like you get out of the van and you go, what, where are we at? I mean, oh my gosh. That's a really good question. Um, well, a few things are coming to mind. There were like a few places in France that it just, you would go in these big, like extravagant places majestic looking almost and then you're like wait there's a pool in here and it'd be like this crummy indoor pool and you're like what this is like a thousand years old where where are we it's kind of it's kind of like the nyack indoor pool isn't it yes like you go to some like this nice place and then yep. the nyack pool is at the bottom of the place exactly okay so. that's a great way of putting it yes um and then another place i would say um what's really cool i think was even our pool was that i practiced in and my home pool was very um unique because it was a small town but it was a huge it was like it looks like have you seen beauty and the beast because yeah. if you haven't i'm gonna be upset with you okay so <laughs> beauty and the beast it was like that little village like it was a small little country village but everyone was super into water polo it was like they were so prideful in that we were i mean even people from 30 minutes away would come in and watch us play i mean they charged at the door for even women's water polo um, so it was a really prideful thing and the whole stadium would be full. It, it could have a lot of people in there. Um, I mean, hundreds. So that was exciting because you knew every game at 9 PM or whatever on Saturdays that there would be a full house cheering for you and they would know your name, like the little kids come up for autographs. So it was really cute. Um, that was really the most exciting place to play was my home pool because it, it had such a, a pride to it, a pride factor. Um, but after my two years in France, my, my next place that I went to play was I went, went to school in England. Um, I threw in the towel in my mind at first. I thought, okay, 
how do I finagle water polo even more? Okay, I want to get my master's. So how do I get my master's for free? Okay, what do I do? So I, I can't play in NCAA anymore. So there's um, Durham University, which is like the top three universities in England. Um, they, they have this program uh, where they want to bring American athletes in and they help pay for tuition. Part of that is some of the sports you help coach even, like water polo where it's underdeveloped or you're just purely a player. So you get half off tuition basically, and you play the sport still in another country. So I'm like, of course this is for me. And I thought in my mind, okay, I'm winding down from professional twice a day playing. Well, I couldn't stop playing because what kept happening was coaches kept calling and um, kept giving great deals. And I kept saying, no, no, I really want to get my education and I want to get back to America soon. So eventually one coach that I knew in France, he's, he's Greek. And he lives in Athens and he just started his own or he um, got to be the head coach of one of the teams in Athens. And he called me and he said, "Okay, I have a deal for you. And I'm like, I told you already, I'm going to get my education. And he's like, no, what we'll do is we'll fly you just for the games. I was like, from England? He's like, yes. I was like, can you uh, can I stay there a few weeks in the year and train? You know, and so he's like, we'll do whatever. So they would fly me to games. Um, I would come VIP in. treatment here. There you I go. I know. I just really milked it. So I, and his, their team was really good. So it was, that was awesome. I mean, that so was you, so you played in Greece and mm-hmm. you were flown around and you got mm-hmm. a free education to play in Durham and you played there too. Yes. So I also played mm-hmm. in the English league um, for the, you know, university level, which is very low level at, right now. I mean, I, maybe they'll get better, but um it's pretty low level. So it wasn't like it was challenging, but it was interesting because again, you got to drive in a van or the train, you went to Edinburgh, Scotland, you went all around. I mean, that's when I traveled the most. I went to Ireland. I went to, I mean, I was in Greece every other weekend. And, um, I mean, even talking about it now, I feel ridiculous because I'm like, you know, and you're like 24, 25 at this point. Yeah. And I had, um, you know, and I was getting paid every game in Greece. And um, so I would just spend that money as my little, you know, travel, tra- you know, traveling money and getting my master's. And I mean, it was the best year of my life, honestly, because I got to travel with my really good friends and people would have excuses to come visit me. And actually I went to Japan with Zane Bilal and yeah. his family. So nice. they were, he was going for his own thing. And I'm like, well, I'm already here, even though it was still a million years away. But, you know, so I got yeah, to do no. a lot of those great things all because of water polo. Like if I didn't have that skill, there's no way I could have done that. You know, I didn't have the money. I was like recent college graduate. So, so if there's anything that you could get out of, like kind of just kind of tell like the boys and girls back in Texas about, you know, kind of your experiences and like, what is the one thing that, that, that you would say to them? Like kind of work I, hard, keep, yeah, keep playing. Yes. And it sounds so cheesy, but it is like truly like if you want to, if you really want something, you can figure out a way to do it. And I go back to that little girl, you know, that went to, uh, you know, to Missouri in sixth grade. And I knew I wanted to keep traveling and keep playing. And um, I wanted to get out of Baytown, you know, and mm-hmm. I think if, I think some people, especially I've noticed in girls, maybe not all girls, obviously, but sometimes I notice in athletes when I coach that 
we think if we're not the best all of a sudden we can't do something or you know it's a little intimidating but that's not true i think that even playing abroad and even playing in england and all these countries there are so many players in america that are better than those players but they probably never knew that and just knowing you know people who even were on national teams in france i think couldn't even start on my own team sometimes you know like i really think that some at, at points so to me, that just goes to show back to your point that I do think that if you really want to go play at an NCAA program or even if it's D3, D2, you can certainly do it. I think there's if there's a will, there's a way. Um, if you want to play abroad, those universities that I was talking about, it's not just Durham now. They started the trend. The last three years, more schools in England have done that. So it's not just in the north of England, it's near London. They're starting to do that. Um, but the thing is, you can't just be, you know, if you want to stick with water polo, you have to stick with it. You can't play three different sports. You just cannot. You cannot do that if you want to be a division one athlete in one sport. I'm sorry. I mean, unless you're MJ and Michael Jordan, you know, yeah. it's not realistic. So you, I mean, to put it in perspective, I played, I practiced I mean, in the summers, for example, so many hours in the morning and at night, and I did club year round. I mean, I worked for it. So, um, yeah, you took advantage I, of your opportunities. Right. So I think if it's so cheesy to say about the working hard thing, but it's absolutely the truth, just like anything in life, you know, I no, mean, yeah. Yeah. you can't just be talented. You really have to work hard for it and it it will certainly play off, pay off because I'm just thinking of that last highlight of in Greece of my life where I'm traveling to Greece and I'm getting paid for it and I'm getting my master's. But, and you know, I wasn't even working that hard anymore as far as water polo because I had already had it. I worked smarter, not harder at that point, yeah. but it's because I put all the work in before. Yep. So I really hope that especially young women, they, I don't think they understand sometimes the the high school athletes that there are those scholarships out there. I don't think parents know. I think parents need to understand that there are so many scholarships out there or other ways um, to help provide for that education and still compete. And and then, I mean, and it's not like to get to that, that, like that peak year of water pole that, yeah, that last year with Greece and England, you had to make sacrifices along the way. Like, you know, New York City and Iona is a long way from Baytown. So you were away from your parents yeah. for a while. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, and Europe obviously is even further, but it was it was definitely worth it in the end, correct? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's a great way of putting it with the sacrifice. I have put so much sacrifice into the sport. I mean, even as this is like such a weird, like weird thing to say, but I keep thinking even in college when I would, you know, after practice, you run to class and you have your hair in a wet bun and you don't put makeup on and you see all the pretty girls and they're all done up. And I'm like, dang it. I want to feel pretty today. And I'm like, well, I want to be better at water polo than I want to feel pretty right now. So exactly. just exactly. a little, I mean, that's a weird example, but it really sticks out because that's not the only time of like, you know, in spring break, everyone's doing fun stuff, but we're in season and we have to go yeah, play, exactly. you know, like little things like that, um, that I didn't have as much of a normal experience. Maybe it's not like I was in a sorority or something, but my team was my, my family. So that's always what saved me is having a team around me, um, that I've, I'm still best friends with so many of them. And then after you came back from England, you actually coached 
and you went to JOs and I remember yeah. seeing you on the pool deck. How was it coaching? Like I, the opposite side, you know, yeah, up there. I and then you go, so now I understand what Scott and Joe were going through. So there you I go. know. <laughs> Actually, I feel so sorry for y'all. I don't know how you put up with us. I really I, don't. I got you guys when y'all were a little bit more mature. I don't know how Scott put up with you guys before I have that. No <laughs> idea how to do it. I, I seriously don't understand. Because, I mean, Oh, like I said, back to like the babysitting days, like looking back on, it, I'm like, I was probably following him around, you know, like we adored him too. So That's we're okay. just so nagging and annoying. So no, but see, um, so like we always uh, talk about how Amy and Katie and Zane would always ask a million questions. And we love yeah, that. No, really? we love that. But, you know, I loved it because that means that they wanted yeah, you got to get better. So, so we'd much rather have the people that ask questions and yeah. want to get better. Was it a little annoying at times? Sure, but that's okay. That's, yeah, that's much better than the kid that will never ask anything. So there you go. Yeah, I do. I, I did ask a lot of questions. No, no, that's but, good. Please. That's funny. Well, you know, what were you, what did you ask me right before that though? No, about, uh, uh, about coaching and oh, then you yeah, were up at, like, uh, you were at Chelsea Piers for a couple of years, mm -hmm. right? And, yeah. uh, and now you're in Orlando, so. Yeah. So the coaching side of it all, um, that even goes back to Iona when I was playing again, I, I mean, I was on a scholarship, but I still wanted to have beer money. So <laughs> I'm of just course, kidding. Of I wanted my quote savings. So I would waitress babysit and I would coach. I would coach at in Connecticut, which was only 30 minutes away. And I would start coaching and I'm like, wow, I really like this beer money, like uh, this beer money and what I'm doing. I really like this. And, um, I, every summer that I came back from abroad, I would coach in one of those summer, uh, summer leagues in Connecticut and I would play practice with Nyack at the same time. So it's like I'm training, but I'm coaching and keeping the sport, um, with me, so to speak. And I love coaching. I'm very passionate about it. Um, I have always been. So I was with Chelsea Pierce for a while. We went to JOs, like 12 and under boys, 12 and under girls. Oh, and, oh that's the best. Oh, and yeah. then, you know, hurting and cats. Stuff. It's hurting cats. So oh, yeah. Go. I loved it. 12 and under boys is my favorite. So um, if then, you lose, you go to the beach. That, yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> if, yeah, right. if, if you win, you go to the beach. But, but, yeah, but there know. you go. So <laughs> I know. It's a win-win. Um, and then in and out, of course. So. We um, have that here in Texas now, so I know. Uh, it, I know. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's not a special, but now, but thinking back, you know, you pretty much left Texas back in 2010, mm -hmm. and you really haven't been back here for a significant portion of time, kind of, kind of mm -hmm. since then. But you've heard all the stories. Thinking back, like back whenever you were in high school, there were probably about 40 or 50 teams, and now there's about 170 high school teams out there. There's a ton more club kind of going on, so as an outsider kind of look, or as an insider that is now an outsider kind of looking back in, what are your thoughts on Texas nowadays? So good and bad. It's okay. Yeah. I was going to say it's a little bit of both because ultimately it's for the best, you know, ultimately we're growing the sport in Texas and y'all have done such a good job. And I think that has to do with growing more coaches, obviously, um, and not just in quantity, but in quality. Um, but I think it's a little saturated maybe from what I've, from the outsider looking in as far as, you know, it's like we, we said before, um, on my team in 2007, 
every single person on the high school team played club. Whereas mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm interested to see how many of them actually play club year round or how many of them have, this is their third sport, you know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I think that makes it a little less competitive. So maybe, maybe they're competitive with team A and team B, but that doesn't mean they could compete with us in 2007. Great. I mean, I don't know, maybe they could, but when I saw the championship game two years ago in Texas, when I was in Austin visiting mm -hmm. my family, I was one, I was very happy to see how many teams there were and how many athletes and how many girls there. And I mean, I, I thought it was great, but I was a little disappointed one, I was sick to my stomach that Sterling wasn't even in there. I'm like, what? Yeah, and then, yeah what's Sterling? <laughs> yeah. And then two, I just felt I, I could see the talent, no doubt, of the athletes that I was watching. No doubt I could see the talent. But I didn't see um, as much of the water polo IQ, as much of the experience level. I just think we were more experienced. Um, and it's a little biased of me to say, but I, I do believe that. And I even asked Allie her opinion on that because she, she has a little pride of both ends. She's been a player and a coach. So you're going to take pride as a coach, obviously. Yep. And she agreed with me. I mean, she, she did agree that the level was a little lower, but again, it's the sacrifice you have to take when you're trying to grow a sport in a huge state. Yeah. And I do uh, kind of agree with you that that 2007 and 2008 Sterling girls is probably the best kind of girls group that I've, yeah, that I've seen in Texas. But I do believe that there are some very good players nowadays. They're just spread out amongst all the different teams. Yes. I can um, definitely and do that. they have, and they have, and there's a lot of good talent out there. It's just, it's not all necessarily kind of concentrated on, on like on one team. And, but I think that that's going to like, there's a ton of water pole. There's a lot more clubs that are building. Um, and we've just only scratched the surface and, you know, mm -hmm. and you were a big part of that. You kind of saw all the different little states just in, just, yeah, kind of, kind of just in, in the 2000s. And you've kind of seen it from the outside kind of a little bit. But Amy, mm -hmm. thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and kind of being a guest here. And hopefully we can get you on here in uh, later this month for one of the Southwest Zone Town Hall meetings. Okay? Yes, I'd love to. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, yeah, just thanks so much, Amy. And that's it for today. So many thanks to Amy Olson for spending her time on Skype with Joe. And thank you for listening and for your continued support. Until next week, so long from Austin.
This has been a production of TWP Sports LLC. My dog is scratching at the door. Uh, I can hear him.